Most of you will remember two summers ago news stories about mass graves at residential school sites in Canada. Catholic churches were vandalized, statues were toppled and smashed, flags flew at half-mast for several months, and the government created a new day of observance, Truth and Reconciliation Day. But, as it has been reported in recent months, not one single body has been found, and other reports claim that this story was grossly misreported, some going as far as calling it a hoax or fake news. The National Post titled an article, How the World's Media Got It Wrong on Residential School Graves. There's been a lot of misinformation on residential school grave sites. So, what do we know? There are no mass graves. These are unmarked potential grave sites. No human remains have been found. We know that children died while attending residential schools. We know that their bodies were not usually returned home after they died. We know that many of these sites are now unmarked as the grave sites or schools have been abandoned. We don't know how many children died and we don't know how many never returned home. Although, just because they didn't return home doesn't mean that they died. And it doesn't mean that they were killed. We also know that the Catholic Church and our bishops are actively working with indigenous groups to identify these children who were lost and find reconciliation. We know that the residential school system was not a good system and the Catholic Church should probably not have been involved in it. But we know that proof or no proof, human remains or not, the pain that many indigenous people carry because of the trauma experienced is real and we as church need to respond to it. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, and sitting here with me is Billy Chan. Pedro, that, you know, did, did you forget time. me? No, no, it's <laughs> just... Um, it's been a long, it feels like it's been a long summer. Did you have a, uh, did you have a good summer? I had a really good summer. I yeah, see it's been good. the, I saw all the coverage from South and Light TV on all the World Youth Day. World Youth Day. Thing. I yeah. was thinking that you would go to World Youth Day, but you didn't get a chance to go. Did you? No, no. Uh, work and family issues. Uh, everything comes up. Yeah. That's why. Well, I'm glad you got to watch all our coverage, that excellent World Youth Day coverage on Salt and Light Television, exactly. Salt and Light Media. Um, this is our 16th season of the Salt and Light Hour. Can you believe that? Wow. 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 And I'm, I'm fan of it. I'm just so proud of myself. Well, I was trying to, to remember when we started having you on the program. I think it was probably about seven years ago. What? Yeah. I'm that old? You've been doing Church for Dummies for seven years. So, I've been uh, a dummy for seven years. <laughs> Hopefully you're a little less less of a dummy um, after all the wonderful segments we've done. Um, so it's good to have you back for another season. Billy. Thank you very much. And uh, it's good to see you. Yes. So today, Jermaine is going to be with us. And Jermaine, he's our book contributor, as you know. Yes. And he's going to have two books, as usual. One book is usually a kind of a secular self-help book, but he finds okay. a Catholic connection. And then he likes to review children's books. So any parents out there who are going back to school, you're thinking maybe getting some good books for your for your uh, school-aged children, uh, tune in and, and let's see what Jermaine has for us. That's going to be in about five minutes. And then, Billy, you're back with Church for Dummies. Yes, yes. You know, uh, uh, we. I have a question that about uh, sick 
the about, sick about the sick okay. yeah okay that's so all I, I, yeah it's normal i won't tell more that's all you're gonna tell I us okay say, so and you okay. have to stay tuned here okay, okay don't so don't go away stay tuned i'm sure a lot of people have questions about the sick and being yeah. sick so uh billy will have a question about that church for dummies in about 15 minutes and then so lots of films have been coming out i know uh films christian films it seems to be a big thing especially over the summer last year there was a film a documentary film on mother Teresa. yes i know, I know you remember that but have yes. you heard of a new film and this is not a documentary it's a dramatic film it's called mother Teresa and me have you heard Ooh. of this Billy? no i did not know that i I didn't even see any like promotion. Okay, it's a fascinating, fascinating uh, story. So it's a dramatic film, uh, and it's the story of a young woman um, who who is abandoned by her boy. She's in England. She's of okay. Indian descent, but she's in England. She's uh, abandoned by her boyfriend, left pregnant, Ooh. and then as she's trying to to grieve and figure out what to do with her life. She goes to India, to Calcutta, and okay. then discovers the story of Mother Teresa. Um, that's all I know of the... Of wow. The, uh, so, and in discovering the story, of course, she finds, I'm assuming she finds healing. Uh, yeah. And so through this dramatic story, we also learn a little bit about the life and uh, and work of, of Mother Teresa and this is the missionaries of charity. This is up. very interesting because of normally when we hear about uh, Mother Teresa is talking about the poor, you know, uh, uh, the sick and you know, how Mother Teresa helped them. But, you know, this is a very it's a like, pro-life. fascinating yeah. Sorry, yeah. It's a pro-life movie. So the, the film, Mother Teresa and Me, is going to be in theaters across the U.S. for one night only on October 5th. And we're going to be speaking with the executive producer of the film, Terry Kajanut. In about 25 minutes, he's going to tell us all about the film. So I hope that people can stick around and listen to that. And maybe we can go support this film. Yes, uh, it looks, the trailer looks amazing. It. it looks like it's, look it up, uh, Mother Teresa and Me. And then at the end of the program, we're going to reconnect with Andrew Hall. I don't know if you remember. Andrew is a, a high school chaplain uh, at a school here, St. John's College. And uh, he runs, he's a musician and he runs, uh, as part of his chaplaincy, he runs a worship band. So you know how schools have I, like the jazz, wow. jazz band. They instead of a jazz band or the the concert band, he has a worship band. Yeah, and so he gets students that are musicians and singers, and they do all the masses and do all the liturgical uh, events and do worship. And part of the program, he gets them to write a song, a worship song, and he gets them to record it. Wow, he's, he's been doing he's been doing this since twenty fifteen. He has been doing this. Every year, every like, year, you know, yes, every year he's got different kids. Um, well, the kids are there for four years, so three, four yeah. years of high school. And, but every year it's a different band and every mm -hmm. year they write a song. So it's part of a program that he does. They write a song, they compose a song, they perform it, they record it. And so we're going to be talking with him and some of his students today. Well, that's amazing. Um, in about 45 minutes at the end of the program, we're, and we're going to get a chance to listen to some of the songs that they've recorded over the years. So that's kind of fun. Um, wow, the dedication of the that. Dedi is no, it's a great wow. idea. So a great suggestion for high school chaplains if you have exactly. a musical inclination. Maybe that's a great project that you can do to get kids to get involved in the Catholic life of the school. 
Um, so that's coming up at the end of the program. Lots going on, Billy. So if people are not going to be around to listen to the whole program, you know where they need to go. They go to our website, slmedia.org, and that's where they can uh, listen to all our programs or listen to this program over and over and over and over again. And of course, you can also subscribe to the Salt and Light podcast wherever you get your podcast. Okay, so you ready, Billy? I am ready with a song. So here we go. Um, this is the St. John's College Worship Band under the direction of Mr. Andrew Hall with the very first song that they recorded in 2015, Our Everything. St. John's College Worship Band from 2015 with their song, Our Everything. And we're going to be speaking with Andrew Hall, chaplain at St. John's College and leader of the worship band program, as well as some of his students at the end of the program. So stay tuned. And now it's time for Book Ends with Jermaine Bagnell. Jermaine, welcome back to the program. I hope you had a good summer. It has been a good summer. It's great to be back. How about yourself coming off of World Youth Day? Oh, wow. It was, yeah. Well, World Youth Day is always, uh, always, <laughs> always a whirlwind and a bit of a blur, still processing. Um, uh, but I did a lot of reading, and I'm sure that you did a lot of reading too over the summer. Yes, kept, kept busy, but was able to stay on top of some reading and bringing to you two highlights of the summer. As per usual, a kid's book in one for us more mature people. Okay. So we'll start with one uh, one for the matures. This one is called Life and Work Principles by Ray Dalio. Mm-hmm. It is published by Simon and Schuster, 2017. And this is kind of a, almost like a manual for your life. So okay. for those who don't know Ray Dalio, he was the CEO of the big company called Bridgewater, multi-billion dollar investment company. And this book, so it's part memoir, part how-to, I would say. First part kind of gives a bit of a background of his history, running a company, how he functions and how it went through its expansions, contractions, that sort of stuff. And he, even in the book, he says it's to kind of give context for everything else. And everything else are 
his life principles in his work principles so much so where he literally has it codified um you know right out the gate he has two uh, he has three rules you know think for yourself to decide one what you want two what is true three what you should do to achieve number one in light of number two and do that with humility and open-mindedness so that you can consider the best thinking available to you. So when I say this book is about principles, he really has codified this. And this is, these principles are what he's used to grow Bridgewater, but he's also used it to adopt his life. And, and it's really interesting because we all make decisions and in work in our life and we just kind of go about it and for many of us we just kind of make decisions on on how we feel in the moment he really took the step back and with every decision he makes he has codified it like what's driving this what's my approach how should i be doing this and it, and it's really interesting to see it broken down like that and i think for for catholics this is a great book like obviously you know, read through it. He has a summary. It's it's great on how you could look at your life, your work, example for work, trust mm-hmm. in radical truth and radical transparency. So these really seemingly mm-hmm. simple uh, concepts, uh, and they're easily adopted and applied to our life. And as Catholics, we we have even more of this available to us. So yeah. you know, if you look at the life and work principles, Ray Dalio, great read. Uh, you can also look at that in the Catholic social teachings or mm-hmm. the catechisms or things like that. So I, I think it's a this book serves as a really good reminder to go back to these uh, important principles within our own lives. And yeah, it, it just serves as a really good driver and really step back on how uh, you operate. Because these these principles, his whole thing is like, take what works, leave what doesn't. So that's the yeah. Ray Dahlia principles. But for us, we have the catechism to help us guide really difficult decisions. We have the Bible mm-hmm. to guide really difficult decisions. So it's kind of like inter interconnected on on how mm-hmm. uh, we can we can operate. Yeah, no, I think that that's that that's that's great because we don't. We were talking earlier. We don't live in a bubble, right? So it's like we have the catechism, we have scripture. We have our tradition of the church. We have doctrine. We have moral teaching, social teaching. But that doesn't mean that we can't look outside of the church to see what other things or how to apply because maybe maybe his language speaks more to us. Um, and then we can, but then we can find the balance or put it in the right context or look at it through the lens of what the, our church teaches. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And and again, the thing that I really like about this, it breaks down life and work. And when yeah. we, and you know, this is how we exist. So, and we could tie the work he's doing there, like you said, with the catechism, scripture, yeah, tradition. Yeah, that's good advice. So life and work principles by Ray Dalio published by Simon and Schuster. And, and the second book I have is a kid's book. It's Pairs of People by Jeannie and Mark Shriver, illustrated by Laura Watson and published by For You To Be Books and Media, which is uh-huh. an imprint of Loyola Press. Okay. And it was published in 2022. And it's a great kid's book because it teaches kids the power of partnership and the power of what working together can do. And it also serves as a counting book. So, okay. you know, out of the gate, it's number one. One pair of people decides to work together. They help a neighbor clear the walk in the snowy weather. So it's not just a kid working by himself. So it's like, hey, you know, with my friend, 
we can actually do this okay. together. I see. It, yeah. It, then it moves up to five pairs of people garden for endless hours, growing goodness for all to share by planting veggies and flowers. In the image, you see a lot of people doing great work together. And it, and it continues up to 10 where people are doing a best buddies race. And it just shows the power of people working together. And one of the things I really like about this book is, you know, it takes a kid through one, five, 10, 12 pairs of people working. But then uh-huh. at the end of the book, it asks, what if there were 50 pairs of people working together as one? What positive difference could they make? What goodness could be done? And for young Catholic children, they get to see this is like the body of Christ coming together, working yeah. together. Yeah. And, and it's not just enough for, you know, kids are taught, oh, to share, be nice, do good. But this is that principle, that core principle of our faith of, of service. And when kids are shown that they can be empowered when they work together with others, they can do such amazing things. And I think it's really important for us to empower the youth. Like, again, you coming from World Youth Day, you see that exponential yeah, power of, um, of youth coming together to to just do amazing things. And I, I think this this book, pairs of people does a really great job in planting these small seeds and and empowering kids to to do that sort of thing so whether they start joining the local society of saint vincent de paul or doing a bake sale to raise money for something it just serves such a great just a great beginning for them yeah that's great. That's great. I love the idea that it's a it's a counting book. I mean, it's I mean, but it's not for little little kids, right? It's it's a little older. Uh, um, a, a bit, I would say. Like as a parent reading it, you could start really young. Well, as a, I'm not a, yeah. a parent yet, but I think you just start really really young. With I just them, figured but... I just figured they're not learning, you know, one two three, but they're 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 th- they're learning the concept of pairs. So two, it's, a pair exactly. of two is four. A pair of yeah. four is eight. Um, yeah. A pair of fifty is a hundred. And I love and I love your example about World Youth Day. You're right. I mean, that's exactly the World Youth Day experience that you think that you're like, oh, by myself here being a Catholic, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you go to World Youth Day, and that's like a lot of pairs of people. Yes, <laughs> exactly, Ex- exactly. That's true. Yeah. It's it's a good good uh, good to know that we're not alone in mm-hmm. this in this journey and that we don't have to do things by ourselves because we can multiply <laughs> yeah. it, 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 that's exactly it and even the the tagline for the book it's a book on multiplying goodness i love that a book on multiplying goodness okay good that's pairs pairs of people by genie and mark shriver uh illustrated by laura watson and it's published by four i had never heard of this publisher so for you to be books and media which is a uh, an affiliate of loyola press um, thank you, Jermaine. Thank you for these suggestions. Uh, it's good to have you for a good, good to have you back for another season. And, uh, we look forward to catching up in about a month or so. Yep. I will breeze through some more books and yes. make sure I have, uh, another have some, great duo for you. Have some good reading in the next month. Jermaine Bagnell, our book contributor. He's also the producer of the Salt and Light production, Working in Faith. You can watch that at slmedia.org and you can also follow him at Jermaine Bagnell. Hi, I'm Sophie. And I'm Andrew. And, and we, we are, are The, the Dwell. Dwell. And you're listening to The Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. The Salt and Light Hour podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and the show will be delivered right to your device. And now it's time for... Fresh for Dummies. 
with Billy Chan, who's been waiting to say church for dummies. Yes. For yes. way too long. Three, two, two months, three months. <laughs> um, so you have a question about the sick. Yes, yes. No, recently there are friends of mine uh, have uh, questions because of some like tragedy things happened. But yep. you know, um, this is a really like the topic that I I think a lot less people like in in my age to talk about that because you know we 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 always talk about marriage, talk about baptism, you know those yeah. happy yes. moments. The sick is something that is a bit like down sad you know sometimes angry and pain as well yeah so oh so first question is anointing of the sick is something that we do not we we, we will never think we'll do it but we will eventually need to help somebody to decide or even think about it when should we do it is it that sometime when you know when when people close to that the, no the, that, okay so that's a very good question, and it's a question that I'm sure a lot of people have. So there's a distinction. It sounds like what you're talking about is the last rites. Mm. The last last rites is not the same as the sacrament of anointing or anointing of the sick. Okay, so it used to be that they would call it, you know, the sacrament of the dying or the 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 or actually last rites they would call it, but now the church calls it the sacrament of the sick because it is not meant to be used only when people are dying. So if you are sick, let's say you're going into surgery or you have a chronic illness, it's perfectly okay to receive the sacrament at a time. I know tons of people that receive the sacrament of the sick. If they're in the hospital, you know, people that had COVID, they could receive the sacrament of the sick. I know women who are pregnant and having a difficult pregnancy, they can receive the sacrament of the sick. Oh. So it's not... I, I, people should not think that if they receive the sacrament is because they're dying. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly the the moments that my friend uh, yes had because of they 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 do not want the patient to to scare to be scared. No, exactly. And in fact, so they should think they're they're sick. They know they're sick, and it's okay to have the sacrament. It's it's an anointing. And the church has been doing it actually for two two thousand years. We've been anointing sick people uh, with oils, so so uh, it you can do it any time. Um, of course, it, I think this the illness needs to be of some gravity. You know, if you have a cold, you're not going to get the sacrament of, of anointing, but uh, but you can. I mean, it's a sacrament for the sick, and the church every year, like at Advent or Lent, sometimes they do the sacrament of the sick uh, oh. as a service. So then okay. everybody can come and there's a healing service and then everybody can receive the anointing as well. So my question is how often they can get it? Like, you know, for some chronic uh, illness, uh, they, they, they will never know uh, when they will get healed. Yeah, I would, I would say that like any sacrament, uh, well, no, uh, sorry. Some sacraments, of course, you can receive every day. You can receive the Eucharist every day. You can go to confession every day. I would not recommend that you should go to confession every day. Um, because there is, there are graces that are received with the sacrament. If it is a chronic illness, I think that you should speak to the priest and ask him what he thinks. And maybe the priest thinks that it's okay to receive it, you know, once a year or every six months, or I'm not sure. It really depends. But I don't think it's something that you need to receive very often. And if the confession, like uh, sacrament of reconciliation is also included in okay. In so yeah, so this is where the difference is between the sacrament of the sick and last rites. So the sacrament of the sick by itself, it's 
it's does not include confession. It's just the sacrament mm. of the sick. It's an anointing. Um, and it includes a blessing. Uh, it's a beautiful, it's not a long thing, but there's a blessing of the oils on the, on the, on the head and on mm -hmm. the hands. Um, but it is often done together with the sacrament of reconciliation. It doesn't have to be. Those are two separate sacraments, okay. but when it's done as the last rites, so the last rites is, uh, um, done when someone is dying and that's usually done usually also with confession and usually also with the Eucharist. So what we call the Viaticum, which is a, the, the, the kind of the, the, the food for the journey. And that is done when someone is about to die. And then there are other prayers and, and rituals that go with, with this, with the last rites as well. I see. I see. And uh, okay, let's look into the practical stuff now here. Yep. What does it actually do? Um, I mean, you know, people think that it's a superstitious thing. Uh, will that have any effect that you will protect our, obviously we'll believe that you will protecting, you will protect our soul, but how about physically? Are we going yeah. to get you that? You know what? Um, uh, yeah, you may, but I, I've never met anyone who's been healed by receiving the sacrament of the sick, but we do receive healing because healing is not just physical healing there's 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 a greater uh, you know holistic healing now if you look at the catechism it says that there are the effects of the sacrament so you receive the holy spirit you receive the holy spirit with every mm -hmm. sacrament you obviously receive the holy spirit here you're united in the passion of christ um and receive his grace you receive the grace of the church you're prepared for the final journey you receive spiritual and uh emotional healing as well you might receive physical healing. I see. So when you talk about last rite, um, that will obviously will include the um, um, yes. confession, right? Um, what if a patient is like having have a mental problem, like he yeah. can even be reasoning, or he, he he cannot be himself anymore? So will will that be included, or will that be invalid if they have done this? I think it really depends, um, and most priests know what to do. We we visit people in the hospital all the time who are not conscious, who are who are who don't understand what's what's happening. Although quite often you'd be surprised that at the moment when they see the priest or they hear the words of the prayers, they incredibly become conscious and they know what's happening. Um, so I would just let the priest decide, and the priest. So that moment of the last rites is between the priest and the patient. And if the priest mm -hmm. feels that he can celebrate the sacrament or give an absolution, even if the person is not 100% conscious, I know I know priests that where this happens. That, that that's up to them. And God is the one who knows the sins. God knows the heart of the person, and God is the one who forgives the sins ultimately. So exactly, I think that that's what we need to remember. Oh, Pedro, thank you. I I hope those questions can clear up our our mind as well you know when we get old everyone will get old everyone will get to that stage so uh, we won't be scared when we yeah when no we shouldn't scared. be scared and we shouldn't be scared to accompany the people who are in the hospital or in a home who are mm -hmm. dying because they they can feel very lonely and yes. and all you need to do is sit with them hold their hand pray with them that might be all that they need to to be comforted um so good question billy very good question and if people have more questions about that uh, don't be afraid to, to write to us and ask. Billy Chan, uh, always having good questions. You can follow him at the Joe Chan.
Coming up in our second half hour, the film Mother Teresa and Me, and we meet Andrew Hall and the St. John's College Worship Band, so stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Quite often, when faced with our own troubles, we tend to retreat into ourselves, yet that is not usually the best way to healing. That's what Kavita, a young English woman who has been abandoned by her boyfriend after he finds out that she's pregnant, finds out when she travels back to Calcutta, the place of her birth. Through discovering the story of Mother Teresa and the work of the Missionaries of Charity, Kavita rediscovers hope and purpose. That is a very basic synopsis of the new film Mother Teresa and Me, in which we discover the saint through the eyes of a young, modern-day woman. It is a story of perseverance and compassionate love that shows us a Mother Teresa that many of us did not know. The film is out in theaters across the United States for one night only on October 5th, and so to tell us more, I am now joined by executive producer Terry Kajanut from his home in Switzerland. Terry, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. It's good to have you on the program. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Thanks for having me. We're very so, happy to be here. So there are there are already a few films made about Mother Teresa, a very beautiful documentary that came out last year. Why did you want to make another one? Well, it's not that we, uh, first we want to tell to show um, Mother Teresa also as a, not just as the superhero, you know, that uh, we can hardly relate to because she's so amazing that uh, we just we're just in awe. But we wanted also to show, you know, the the woman, uh, mm. the human being behind the, the saint, you know, um, it was this uh, it was this crisis of faith that she has this long dark night of the soul as it's been called because it makes us so much more relatable you know yeah. to see a person who experienced tremendous pain and has this feeling of abandonment this darkness that she describes and mm -hmm. that goes on and on and you know she goes through different states of um uh, of emotions, you know, uh, some time it's anger, it's uh, it's uh, desperation, it's uh, sadness, yeah, it's uh, resignation at some and some moments. But she never gives up, and that's what makes her uh, a great inspiration. She never gives up. She gets up every morning. She inspires the sisters. She goes meet Jesus in the poor. Um. And always longing for Christ and for him to come back, you know, and to speak to her again. And and she's relentless, you know, mm -hmm. and she she never gives up. And although she's suffering and, and you know, we all have crises and tough times. And it's a great, you know, saints are somebody that's given to the people to, to follow, you know, to, mm -hmm. to emulate. And As before models. it was kind of, uh, what's the, you know, who, how we, can we follow Mother Teresa? She's just a superhero. And now she's a, a, a frail, also human being. We discover mm -hmm. frailty and, and we say, well, she never gave up, but well, that's going to inspire me to get up this morning and to fight whatever fight I have to fight. Whether Absolutely. It's in the yeah. world, on the job, in my spiritual life um yeah it's definitely a, a side of mother teresa that i think most people had did not know of or had not even thought about yeah it's, and you know that's why john paul ii wanted you know this letter published she she gave the order that these letters should be burned and destroyed 
and you know they were not destroyed in the first place. And when they brought him to John Paul II, not only did he say you don't have to burn him, he said this have to be published. You know, yeah. people have to know about it because it's going to make her an even greater saint. Okay, I understand. Now, is that the same reason why you chose to? To tell two stories that it's not just about Mother Teresa, but there's a modern day young woman, and it's also the sto story of Kavita. Why did you? Yeah, want there's to the Kavita, there's the Mother Teresa, and me, the me character. Yeah. Um, we thought, you know, if you're 30 years old today, you, you don't recall Mother Teresa. That's how fast life goes. Um, mm -hmm. And how do you relate to to her? And we thought. Um, you know, and also from, from a storytelling point of view, she, the drama in Mother Teresa's life is uh, in her spiritual life, which we don't see. Mm -hmm. And the rest is episodic. So in terms of an arc, when you tell a story, it's very uh, complex. I see. Uh, or ch very, very challenging. So we thought, you know, if we have a second story, we can come in and out in her story. I understand, um, yes. And also, this this character of Kavita allows us to, you know, to create a person that a young audience today can relate to. And and Kavita, this young woman who's pregnant, uh, who uh, whose boyfriend leaves her, and she finds herself in desperation, just as her parents wants her to marry in the right cast. Mm -hmm. She. Um, we and then she goes and discovers Mother Teresa by going to Calcutta and she discovers the writing. She discovers, oh, but Teresa was abandoned as well. So she f feels a kinship to her. And then she starts working in the house of the dying mm -hmm. uh, and goes to the orphanage. And, and she starts to relate, you know, and to take care of other people. And, and that helps, it helps her in her problem, mm -hmm. uh, in her crisis. And through the eyes of, the, of this young woman, you know, which is, you know, is, is there vicariously for, for the audience, you know, you discover Mother Teresa. So she leads us to Mother Teresa. In, yeah. And we see the effect that she has today on uh, on this young woman, you know. Of course. And, uh, of uh, course. and th so that's not just, Mother Teresa is not just a historical figure, but she's also uh, has an effect on today's, you know, on, on our lives today or can have. Right. If, if we take her as an example. Yeah, it also makes the story a very pro-life story in a way that I think people don't think of Mother Teresa's story being a pro-life story. That was obviously a conscious choice as well. Well, uh, I wouldn't say so, <laughs> because obviously the abortion issue is okay. uh, is, uh, is very front and center in this film. It is. Uh, um, but we wanted to, um, to be to present all the arguments, you know, mm -hmm. and you see the mother who pushes mm -hmm. her, you need to get an abortion. And uh, then you have a young doctor who tells her why she shouldn't, and why, mm -hmm. why it's bad. And, um, but we want, we didn't want to say, you know, to be uh, a film that has a message, you know, you have to do this or have to right. do that, you know, because we're trying obviously to speak to young women to people to who might be confused but we respectfully so that they feel they have they are, they can still make a choice you know oh, and we are not I preaching see. to them you have to do that the only thing that's the only right thing to do and if you don't do that you're a bad person mm -hmm. you know that's it was not the dialogue that we wanted to have we wanted to 
present the story and that get them to think on their own and and get hopefully to the right conclusion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see that. That that, that makes sense. Um, What would you say are your hopes? Obviously, you want people to watch the film and you want the film to touch them. (laughs) But what are are your hopes for the film? What what do you hope that the film will accomplish? Well, our our initial, you know, really our, our motivation for this film was to touch people in their hearts in a way that they are inspired to do small acts of kindness wherever they are. Mm -hmm. And that these small kinds of uh, acts of kindness are little drops of compassion all over the world. And that that contributes to create a better world. Because if we all start, you know, person by person at Mm -hmm. uh, Mother Teresa, I would say we don't have to do big things. Small things things in the eyes of God are great. So, you know, you have no excuse to not smile at somebody or not help somebody cross the street or carry their the groceries, whatever it is that presents yourself on a daily basis. And that makes a better world. Mm-hmm. That's our first and foremost ambition. And because we, I think we, the, the, this world today needs more of the spirit of Mother Teresa mm-hmm. everywhere. Yes. And then all the when you go see the movie and you pay your ticket price, the revenue of that goes to the poorest of the poor in the spirit of Mother Teresa. It goes to a foundation. Nobody get, makes gets to make money and get rich. So it goes to the poorest of the poor. So it, it creates a virt, virtuous circle. Okay, that's wonderful. That's good to know that the funds are going to support the people that Mother Teresa worked with. And that's that's very important. And I'm also inspired by... But you're the first filmmaker that I speak to that says that he hopes that the film will inspire people <laughs> to to small acts of kindness. That's a wonderful uh, ambition. And and Terry, I think that the film actually does that. And it's really important that, you know, it's uh, I think it's a, a movie that can do extremely well, but only, it will only do extremely well if, if people get get up from their seats and go buy a ticket and go to the cinema. Because yes. It's a one night only event. And if people go to the cinema and the cinema see that there is an audience, they'll add dates. Yes. But right now, it's only if it's like a, it's like a, a rock and roll band that stops in your town, playing yes. everywhere over the country in over 800 cinema. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can go now and buy a ticket and get, get you know, your family, your friends or your parish. Um, yeah, bring, that's great. You know, and bring everyone and show that there is an audience for this kind of movies and not just for yes. uh, you know Superman I, or what I think our our audiences are are starting to get used to the idea of the phantom events and they know that if they go and support the film he is a superhero exactly so Terry thank you so much for for making the film and for for inspiring us a little bit not just through the film but also through our conversation today well thank you so much Deacon Pedro it was a pleasure and honor to be with you today yes thank you god bless that was a conversation I had with Terry Kajanut, the executive producer of Mother Teresa and Me. Mother Teresa and Me will be in theaters in the United States for one night only on October 5th. To find out more, you can go to mother-teresa-and-me.film or look up Mother Teresa and Me film under phantomevents.com or just go to our website, I'll post all the details at slmedia.org slash podcast. Here now is the St. John's College Worship Band from 2019 with their song from that year, Heart of Fire. 
That was the St. John's College Worship Band from 2019 with their song from that year, Heart on Fire. In November 2019, we met Andrew and Katie Hall. You may remember that they're the couple that wrote a new song for each of their children as they were born. Andrew is a high school chaplain and teacher, and he has been inspiring his students for years using music. In fact, it's a very clever way to evangelize and catechize your students. It's not a big band or a jazz band, it's a worship band. And to tell us more, at the end of the school year, in June, I spoke to Andrew Hall and three of his students, Sydney and Izzy, who were in grade 10, and Brock, who was just finishing grade 9. Welcome to the Sultanite Hour, you guys. Awesome, thanks a lot. So, and, so Andrew, explain this a little bit. So you, you, how long ago did you start doing this? Right, so I'm going into my 10th year at St. John's next year. So this is our ninth year of uh, having a worship band perform at St. John's. So I love that. So, so, so having a worship band is kind of like part of your chaplaincy plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, when I got to St. John's, I, um, I wasn't really sure exactly how I was going to connect with kids in chaplaincy. Like, obviously, yes, I want to share my faith, but I wanted to connect in a really cool way right off the bat. And because I'm a drummer, uh, I wanted to start a worship band and I wasn't sure how kids would react to it, but luckily they uh, reacted to it really well. And we were able to have a junior and senior worship band. That's uh, we were able to go to recording studio that year, and uh, it's been awesome ever since. So okay, uh, so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask start, ask Brock a question because just because you're in grade nine, so you arrive at this high school, um, and you find out that there's a worship band, and you're a guitar player. Like, what's going through your mind? Well, actually, um, previously, like previous to the school year, my aunt's actually the music teacher at St. John's. Okay, and so she had let me know previously um, that you know there was a worship band and i think that they needed like a new guitarist or something so <laughs> i had some uh information going into the school year and i was all for it i was i was you know excited to be a part of a band and i yeah, yeah. nice and and uh um what about the girls izzy um so did you join the band last year in grade nine so or two years ago i guess yeah so i kind of came in at the last of um last year I kind of came and I sat through some of like the lit like the practices and stuff but this was my first full year of uh the full worship band thing okay and Sydney same same for you did you feel it was weird to like be all of a sudden in a worship band like um I've actually been Jesus? here I, well, I've been here the longest out of all of them uh Chap Andy actually came to me I believe in my first month um, at St. John's in grade nine. And he asked, hey, we have a worship band going if you want to join. Um, and it took some convincing, but I've, I've uh, kind of been here ever since. And it's it's a really nice experience. Just okay, let, to... wait, let me let me pick on you a little bit. Why did it take some convincing? <laughs> what was what was weird about um, it? I was really busy. I had okay. a lot going on with school and then with extracurricular activities. Um, and I wasn't really sure if I'd be able to kind of fit it into my schedule, but I was able to make it work and I've enjoyed that experience. So, so Andrew, how many, so we got three of the students here now, but it's a much larger group, right? Uh, yeah, that's correct. We got, um, we also have Danny, our lead singer. We have Josh, our keyboard player. We have Catherine, our other guitar player. And we have Aaron missing as well. And Aaron's our uh, second dr second drummer in the band. Okay, so Brock, you're a guitar player. Maybe, I don't know if you think that you're going to study music when you go to university, you want to be a musician. Did you ever think that you would be in a worship band? Um, well, 
I knew that I was going to be part of like the concert band of the school, but I, to be honest, like before my aunt had told me, I didn't even know that like a worship band at high school was like, was it like, yeah, like was, what like, is really that? Thing? Yeah. yeah. But once I came in and knew about it, I, I thought, you know, I get to play guitar. I get to be in this band of these people. So I was like, I'm gonna go for it. Nice. And, and Sydney, since you've been in the band longest, um, what kinds of, what do you, I mean, obviously you have band practice. Do you play at events? Do you play at mass at school? Like, what do you guys do? Um, we usually cover the liturgies that we do at our school. We share that responsibility be uh, between us, the junior band, and the senior band. Okay. Um, we do a couple videos that we can post on our Twitter account. And I know okay. we were talking about trying to go to some churches in our area, nice. but with COVID, that's been a little difficult. Okay. And Izzy, do you, do you or anybody else in the band, do you guys also belong to like uh, any music groups at church or is this like a unique thing that you do only at school um in the past i've been part of other uh opportunities with singing um at my church i've done like a children's choir for a few years um in elementary school i did a bunch of like year i did choir from grade one to eight um i did okay. i sang backup for uh the canadian tenors as well at the sanderson center Okay. All right. Okay. So you're like a pro. Oh, 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 all right. Okay. So you guys, you guys, uh, you guys know what you're doing. Um, I'm interested in the songwriting. So uh, Andrew, tell me a little bit about it. So, so how do you, cause you do this every year you have, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, you guys write original music. That's I think also part of the, the, your, your, your master plan to evangelize your students. Um, so how, how did this one song that we uh, are going to end the show with, um, how did that come about? Uh, so basically, I told the kids, you know, we have not been to a recording studio since 2019, like right before COVID. So uh, I said, you know, I really would love to get back in the studio this year and bring this tradition back where we have uh, the worship band write their own song. Because I feel like that's it's awesome for you personally, like as a musician to do that, but also yeah. as part of a worship band to know that you wrote your own worship song. And it's a prayer, right? It's prayer for music. So and to share that with your friends and um even when we record a song, usually the next day we bring it to school and they play it as students are walking to uh, their period one class. Oh, nice. So you hear your song over to the PA system in the morning is pretty cool. So uh, basically I challenged the students to write their own song, but for most people, uh, this is their first experience kind of writing their own song uh, From in most cases. So uh, Brock took the lead and he uh, wrote a guitar track and he emailed me the demo and uh, I wrote some lyrics to it and we kind of brought the guitar tr track to practice, we brought the lyrics, and then kind of everyone added their own personal spin to it. So we, nice. we added a line or word here and there. Uh, the keyboards got added. Uh, we changed the melody a bit. So it's kind of like... Yeah, like a collaboration. T sounds pretty cool. So Brock, let me, let me since you, sounds like you initiated the, the music part of it, had had you written music before? Um. No, I just kind of always like improvise stuff, kind of threw stuff together just for fun. But this has been like my first official like songwriting. Nice. nice. And then um, how did it feel bringing it to the whole group? Did you feel that they were like changing all, all your stuff or, or were they just making it better? Uh, the thing that I brought to the group was like, it was very basic. It was very like skeleton of a song. So I'm, I, I was very happy to have everybody put in their own, uh, their own opinion on it. And it sounds a lot better than it did. So. Yeah, of course. So Izzy, <laughs> had, you been, had you been in a recording studio before? Um, no, actually I have not, but my dad was really upset, uh, jealous that uh, I got <laughs> yes. to go. Okay, nice. And, and Sydney, so uh, I, I, in the year before when you were in grade nine, did you also have a songwriting experience with the, with the worship band? 
Uh, we did. We our guitarist who was in the band before, um, and he had to move on from it due to school reasons. Um, he brought, uh, and actually him and Chap Andy, they got together, um, and they started just to work on um, a, a little song. Um, and then they showed it to us, and it was a very similar experience to this one. Um, but I had a more, I did more on this one than I did the other one. And we kind of all chipped in, and at the end we had a fully-fledged song. So would you guys want to, like, do a concert or anything like that, or like a worship evening or something at school? We've been invited by uh, in the past by our elementary schools to play concerts during Catholic Education Week for their schools. Nice. So this year we played um, a concert for uh, Catholic Education Week at one of our feeder schools, uh, St. Pius. Mm -hmm. uh, we also... Um, performed a concert, not many songs, like, you know, but as part of a liturgy for um, St. Vincent de Paul in one of their retreats that they were doing. Mm -hmm. So that was more of a liturgy setting, but uh, taking our music and playing for other people. Um, and our senior band this year played at church. This was the first time we did that since COVID. So I know next year for sure we want to get our junior band back in yeah. churches providing music ministry. That's a great idea. So maybe one last question to the three, the three students. Is this something that you'd want to do more? Like, what is, you're, you're playing a, in a band. It's a worship band. Do you feel like you're actually helping people with their faith or evangelizing them? Or, like, what do you guys feel about this whole experience? I feel as though, to, to an extent, we are. Like, we're helping people maybe find a different way to connect with it and a means they hadn't thought of before. Mm -hmm. And I've had a couple people come up to me um, at the end of a liturgy we did um, and they'd compliment us and they'd say like they really enjoyed the song and they were kind of humming along to it. Nice. I've had I, one time it was at a grocery store, uh, a girl from our school. Yeah, I was shopping for milk and she came up to me um, and she said pretty much the same thing. And I feel as though that could help someone, maybe if they're not really sure where they stand with their faith, it can kind of give them a new opportunity to express sort of how they feel with it. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Izzy? um it's just this whole like worship band thing it's just it really is just like i love being part of it because um when it comes to being in like from worship band from my regular school life it's a lot more difficult because um i don't get very many compliments because i get more of the negativity side of people from people um, I've gotten that a lot in my elementary school year, but, um, whatever, whatever I can get, that's not going to be like, um, like, like I'm, what I'm saying is like, I get bullied a lot, but like, it doesn't mean that I'm going to let worship band not like, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to do whatever right. I can do to enjoy what I do. And absolutely, my, my friends do say like, I did good jobs and stuff um it's still like it's very it feels so good because i know that um what i'm doing is actually good for uh, others and not just myself yeah absolutely and you're part of a family um brock you get the last word yeah i just feel like music's like a great way to you know pass on you know joy and happiness and positivity and i feel like that's that's uh one of our main goals here at the worship band and i think we're doing a good job of it yeah you guys are um uh mr hall why is this idea not like other schools? Like, I think that when I first heard about this, I thought every high school should be doing this. Um, you should uh, take this on the road. This is a great idea for chaplaincy. I mean, thanks. Well, I know not uh, 
every chapter maybe has musical abilities, right? So I know if I, I don't know, tried to start a, I don't know, games club at St. John's or uh, yeah, I don't know, something else, any type of club, like I don't think people would buy in because maybe I'm not as, uh, I think hopefully kids can buy into my passion for music and um, seeing it as an authentic way to to pray. And uh, so I just think every chaplain should use their gifts, whatever they have, whether musically or not, and uh, help kids uh, to come closer to God in their faith. So, uh, but yeah, it'd be awesome to see this at uh, more high schools for sure. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to have to leave it there because we're out of time, but it's been so good meeting the three of you. Um, congratulations. I look forward to more super music from you guys next year and uh and uh, keep doing what you're doing absolutely super uh great and and mr hall thank you andrew for uh for bringing your gifts and sharing it with your students awesome thank you pedro that was a conversation i had with andrew hall chaplain at st john's college in brantford ontario and some of his students from the worship band last year you can check out the work of the chaplaincy at the school's website sjconline.ca and click on Chaplaincy under Departments, but I'll also put that link on our site, slmedia.org slash podcast. Here now is this year's St. John's College Worship Band with their newest single, Everywhere I Go. Jesus, I offer you, I give you thanks and praise, longing to serve you now, forever and always. Whenever I drift away, out and pull me close. My heart belongs to you through every high and low, through every high and low. Whoa, oh, oh. Through every high and low. Whoa, oh, oh. Listening to the St. John's College Worship Band with their 2023 single, Everywhere I Go. And that will take us to the end of the program today. To listen to the full show, go to our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. That's also where we put all the links to all our guests and resources. You can also subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast everywhere. And that's an easy way not to miss one single show. Thank you for being with us today. May you be safe, pray for each other, and take care of each other. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you for this day, and every day there is, for the chances.